So I got some criteria for you. Okay. He needs to have have head coaching experience, championship experience from the South, uh, coach and be in his seventies. <laughs> from Jimmy the Johnson. South. Jimmy Johnson. I was looking up winner rise up welcome to rise up radar where we keep the falcons on your radar thank you for joining me stan parker for another episode let's have a ball and show The boys are back in town. Zach, Chris, Todd, how are y'all guys doing tonight? Doing great. Fantastic. I'm sleepy, Stan. I thought we were going to cut tonight off. No. We're back again. No rest for the wicked, Todd. I'm talking specifically to you. Uh, No rest for the wicked. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, again, we have another special episode uh, for – all you Rise Up Radar listeners out there that uh, three, uh, four of us are going to get together and just talk about where the Falcons are going, what moves need to be made. Why, there's some, there are some interesting things afoot in the Falcons franchise, and they need to be brought to the light. Um, and that's where we'll start is the saga of Tack McKinley, I think, is officially over, I think. The the uh, the final chapter has been written, but it's very strange story from start to finish, and um, it it kind of leaves the door open to did the Falcons botch this interaction? So um, just just kind of paint the picture again for those who don't really know or care. But um, so Tat McKinley goes on Twitter. Um, he's been, Tack McKinley's been hurt. He was a healthy scratch right before the trade deadline. Um, they were using him as trade bait, and he did not get traded. And Tack McKinley went on Twitter and said, hey, um, the Falcons are clowns with a clown emoji for not trading me because last year when I requested a trade, they refused to trade. And then this year when they, I requested a trade, they got an offer and refused to trade again. And Raheem Morris said he will be dealt with, and the next day he got waived. So he got waived, and so you lose a uh, they use compensatory pick or whatever this is, but there is some incentive for keeping him around. So they put him on the waiver wires, and there was four other teams in line because the waiver wires. I have no clue how the waiver wire works. If anybody knows how that really works, let me know. Does anybody know how that works? The actual waiver wire. I don't. I don't either. So there was only the, fantasy football. I was just about to say the only way I, right. I know how it works. It was like a circle <laughs> of like order of operations, and typically it just yeah. goes through. But because our PPR league is it's pretty simple, you you see a guy, you add him. So anyway, in the NFL, there's a whole process to this. But there were teams lined up to get him. Teams like the 49ers, the Chargers, the Seahawks. And the Bengals all wanted Tack McKinley. And the Bengals ended up getting signing Tack McKinley. And um, that just leaves the question, did the Falcons make the right move? Because that's four 
teams that are going in the, the right direction or want to add Tack McKinley to their roster. What does that say about that? Well, I'd say this. It's concerning if there was a team that wanted to make a trade and we didn't, and then we put him on waivers. And like you, I don't understand all the legal side of it and how it benefits us. But so if you're relying on a player like him to be the anchor of your defense versus you already have a strong defense and he's going to be a complimentary player to it, that's a whole different uh, ball game. So, you know. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't know the the logistical side of it, just like Chris was talking about. So, I mean, in years past, obviously he's dealt with with you know health health issues. He hasn't been healthy. Um, college, and just really, really, just right, right, and just hasn't. I mean, obviously didn't live up to his his first round uh, status. And so, um, you know, if it's less headache, you know, just looking at it you know, small picture, um, I guess it can be beneficial for the Falcons. But it's just – it's hard to really speak on when you don't really know the uh, – me personally, I don't really know the logistical effects of it. So. I don't really have a strong opinion on this one, one way or the other. To me, Tat McKinley just became a big drama king or queen the last couple of days that he was with the Falcons. I really don't care one way or the other. Let's just move on and, you know, get going. Go with the next guy. I would have a trouble. I would have trouble keeping a player that called my franchise the clowns. Yeah, that's a tough. So like, I think that right there is, which is crazy. We're talking about losing your job over a tweet, but in the world that we live in, like say five years ago, that you had a social media post uh, that said disparaging things about your employer. Um, I don't, I don't know. Maybe you get fired for that or not. And obviously, NFL, you're under a microscope, but it's not a nine to five. But like, you're getting cut because of a tweet. And also, un- the the bus, the bus label and be unproduction, unproduction. I think I just made a word up, but not being productive on the field. But yeah, that's crazy. He put himself in a real weird spot right there. And the Falcons, I think, made the right. I mean, kind of with Todd, I'm stirring the pot here, but. They made they made the right choice. It became a headache, and you you're, you can't in good conscience keep him around for the whatever incentive that you might get. But I just thought it was interesting that other teams were lining up to get a hold of Tat McKinley for depth, no doubt. For and it's just depth. Seventeen. Who made the call? In for five years, it would have to be Rich McKay. McKay, right? Right. Yeah, he's the one. That sounds like something you do when you have your new coaching staff in place and you're a clean star right. and you get right. a malcontent, you want to get rid of them. That's it's kind of strange in this setting, though. Right. And but so, I, I, I think ahead. that speaks volumes, though, for I think the fact that it's almost like the Falcons may have just been looking for, some, you know, for something to for get to maybe to get rid of him. Just again, yeah. maybe because of, you know, locker room issues or just the sheer fact that, again, he just didn't, you know, he just didn't perform. Um, and so I think that just maybe says a lot right there because I think if on the flip side, even this day and age, let's say it was somebody like Aaron Donald did something like that. Do you think it's the same consequence? No, probably not. No. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So I think it just that kind of goes to show you, you know, the kind of production or lack thereof that he was, you know, given. And so 
So By the way, was, I just used one of my favorite words. What was it? Malcontent. Malcontent. I I uh <laughs> I use an, a fifty cent word. My dad calls them uh, fifty cent words uh, when they're a little above your average uh, vocabulary. I used amalgamation in a sense wow. the other day. I was like, <laughs> we're, I was like at work. I was like, yeah, it's an amalgamation of those. And they were like, what are you saying to me? I was like, oh. I guess that was unnecessary. I'm sorry. But yeah, uh, but yeah, malcontent. That's a fun one. I do love a good 50 cent word just sprinkled in. So right. Stan, just the fact that we waved Chat McKinley, though, do you know this? Because I don't know off the top of my head. Is this a hit against the cap or not? No, no. He had, he had seven games left on his contract. No, you have to I mean, okay. pay out his contract and be done with him. And so that's – that's how I think it works. And so they, cause remember he was up for his fifth year option and they didn't pick it up. So they were going to let him play out his contract to see they're doing the same thing with Keanu Neal, I think, but. Um, Unless there's some like bold writing in his contract. That's like, if you get kicked off the team, we don't have to, you know, if you do something stupid like that. Yeah. I, <laughs> we don't have to pay you your – we don't have to give you your payout. It's a clause, money. like a hidden There's clause. There's a clause. That's the, hey, there you go. I, I'd be curious to know this because I don't, I don't know the Falcons well enough outside of their play, and I wonder if y'all do. Who would you call the five, top three or four character guys on the team? Whatever that means. Top five character guys? I would have Are to – Are talking – we're talking good character or bad character? That's what, that's what, I, was, that's what I was wondering. Good. Okay. Good okay. character. Todd I mean, Gurley's number one. <laughs> okay. I have no idea. Todd Gurley apologist. You, I mean, I was, uh, you got to go Matt Ryan, right? So, uh, Matt Ryan's the leader of the team. He, he does a lot with – I mean, outside of the – he does um, – he had twins uh, recent, recently – Relatively recently, and uh, they spent a lot of time in Choa and uh, in the NICU. Uh, he's donated, oh, really? Yeah, and uh, he's donated a lot of money uh, to Choa. I think you'd have to also say Julio. Who? Julio. I think uh, definitely Julio. I think Hayden Hurst. I think Hayden Hurst too. I think he he's him and his mom have uh, have like a organization or nonprofit for like uh, suicide, suicide awareness and mental mental health or mental health issues. So for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Julio, I uh, read an article, and uh, maybe not so much on the nonprofit side, but like in training professional wide receivers how to be professional wide receivers. So like, yeah, the the torch got passed down to Roddy, and then from Roddy to Julio, and Julio is a generational talent, but also like showing the boys how to work, showing, and so like Calvin Ridley's just soaking that up. But yeah, I, I definitely agree with Julio. The most unique, the most unique star receiver ever, in that he's the least diva I've ever seen. Yeah, ever, for sure. Ever receiver, yeah, quiet. You, you know, there's one player I can think of, but he's not on the team anymore. Who had a lot of character was uh, Matt Bryant. <laughs> I think you were going there. Uh, yeah, he he had great character, especially when he pushed me. Yeah, that'll be the you'll man. You'll never ever let live that down slash let that go. Yeah, speaking of character, guys, I got another story for you. So, some of you know this, but I used to be a Verizon wireless sales rep. Okay. And so, this is like before the age of smartphones and everything. And so, I'm at, I work at the Gainesville, Georgia store. 
And I'm sitting in there one day, and all of a sudden, this big dude walks in. I'm like, I know him, but I'm not going to say anything. It was Terrell Owens. And so Terrell Owens comes up to me, and he buys a Bluetooth headset from Todd Brooks. So I was able to, by claim to fame, as I was able to sell him a Bluetooth headset. That is awesome. Yeah. Claim to fame. Yeah. Um, my sister, That's all. Yeah. My yeah. sister-in-law worked at a bowling alley in Gwinnett, I think. And uh, she met Waka Flocka Flame. And like you get you know, him and his family came in and was were bowling and uh and she had no clue who he was. And everybody's <laughs> all the, the employees are yammering, Oh, that's Mr. that's Waka Flocka. And she's like, Well, here's your change, Mr. Flocka. I don't know. Like <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Have a good day. Yeah. That's <laughs> funny. Um I always see so we're you know, here in Athens, I was uh, thinking of like driving around the town, like how many like notable athletes i've seen that it will be nfl players or nfl players or whatever so that's pretty funny yeah and you know i know that t.o is perceived as a jerk but from personal experience i just want to say that i think t.o is much less a jerk than matt bryant was there it is i knew that it was going to come back around to that so yeah. oh yeah. another character, character. I, was, I was thinking of would be ben garland did a lot of stuff with the army uh but he's no longer on the team but he was swing tackle but we haven't named any defensive players. I don't know if you've noticed that. So, is that is a problem? Keanu Neal a character guy? No, he went to Florida, so he's yeah, definitely not. Oh, okay. I was just about to say the same thing. <laughs> well, there you go. I can't believe that. I feel like Ricardo Allen, I feel like I've heard good some good things about him. I think he's, um, I think he's got a real spirit. Yeah. Um, but there, I don't have anything, you know, specific or tangible. Yeah, I think – and, too, I think they – He'll be the next – if whenever he retires, he'll go straight into coaching, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He'll mm-hmm. be a position coach and whatever else. But, yeah, he's got a real teacher's real teacher's heart. But uh, I don't know. Were we talking about like, – when you say character guys, just like being an outstanding – a human, an outstanding human, or yeah. Being, yeah. A, 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 being a leader on the field and off? I, I just mean – I just mean like, uh, you know, graceful, kind – uh, thoughtful, respectful, um, positive teammate that complain a lot, you know, lays it on the line, that kind of guy. I think we have a lot – there's a lot of quiet leadership, yeah. uh, quiet, quiet character guys on the uh, defensive side. I think Foyer, everything I've seen about him has been positive and trying to be encouraging. What, so, What do you all know about Grady? I see him on commercials about – I think he's got – I think he donates to the Grady Grady Hospital. He seems like a guy I'd like to know. Yeah, I would definitely mm-hmm. yeah, take him out and hang out with him. That would be fun. I, hey, who, who would – which – we won't limit it to Falcons players. You give me your Falcons answer and or just whoever else. Um, who's one Falcon player of any generation that you would want to go just hang out, like, you know, get coffee with, and who would be – the next one would be who's the like a fame any famous person in the world any generation uh alive or not uh what would you rather go get coffee or hang out with for a day who would it be mm. i know it's really big really broad so for um i'm gonna let everybody think i will talk for a little bit for the falcons i would definitely have to go with um 
I would go with Julio. I think it would be fun uh, just to pick his brain. And I think he's just like a wise person. I just see him as like – and I would go play basketball. We would just go down to um, – we go down to the YMCA and we go play basketball. Or skip something. the call. Skip the coffee. Go play basketball. Right. Go play catch or something. That'd be that would be fun. Um, and then um, uh, a famous person. I think Arthur Blank would be fun just because of all of his. I mean, maybe not fun, but like all of his knowledge and stuff. Oh no! You know what? Someone like interesting, like Joe Rogan or uh, or Matthew McConaughey or something like that. One of those guys. I got mine. Deion Sanders. Oh, yeah. Primetime. I'd love to hear his stories. Oh, Chuck him. Smith. I love him. Chuck Smith and would then, be fun. Yeah. And then my, like, just anybody celebrity, yeah. uh, Bill Mickelson. Oh. He's my favorite. He's my favorite athlete of all sports of all time. Okay. Even though you don't think of a golfer that way, he is. And, like, just celebrity, not a sports guy, Bing Crosby. Bing. Oh, yes. okay. Kicking it old school. Back when yep. you were a kid. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was alive when he was alive. You know, he died right right around the same time Elvis did in 77. Oh, okay. All right, Todd. I think the same got? month. Same. So, so Falcons, I mean, gener- in general, I would say, you know, I was actually going to say Chuck Smith, but Jesse yeah. Tuggle would be another one. Oh, yeah. Um, as far as like, famous people, I wouldn't say – I'm not big on like famous people anyway, so I would just say Matt Hines Bryant. Ward. Just sit down with my favorite Georgia Bulldog of all time and have a cup of coffee with him. Let's talk a little dogs and his time as a quarterback slash wide receiver slash running back slash special teams player, Mr. Everything. And I actually did meet Hines Ward one time. He did come to our high school the year that he was drafted, and he spoke for a while, and I got his autograph, and the autograph is probably who knows where these days, but it's pretty awesome. Awesome. Uh, for me, I think Falcons player would be uh, Tony Gonzalez. He was just a just a all around just. I mean, obviously, just a funny, just dry sense of humor, uh, my kind of humor guy. And I mean, obviously, uh, the the statistics speak for himself. I mean, Hall of Famer, probably the greatest tight end of all time. Um, and you know, as far as another just non Falcon famous person. Uh, Gosh, I don't, I don't know. Maybe somebody like like Bobby Cox or something like that. Mm, um, that's a good go, one. Go, um, Sit and listen. To, yeah, um, maybe just have him have him explain to me. You know what happened in the nineties? Why why only one, <laughs> oh, only one yeah. championship? I'm sure yeah. you would over coffee would ask him the hard hitting <laughs> questions like, oh hey Mr. Cox, here answer me this: Why only one championship at fourteen straight division titles? Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that would go over. Tough questions, man. Yeah. Zach, if it were me, I would sit down with Bobby Cox and I would ask, what happened after uh, game four of the uh, 1996? 1996. Because that, be that, was, that, was, that was what we had decided was the like where the curse the cur- kind of yes. started. Reared his ugly head. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, I changed my answer. My famous person would definitely be um, Hank Aaron to go have a cup of coffee with. Okay. Just to sit and listen. Um, yeah, we need to figure out where the curse started. Um, but I don't know if we're going to solve that on this podcast right now. So the Falcons are obviously in the process. I'm assuming right now of finding a new head coach and what 
obviously Dan Quinn coached a certain kind of way is uh I'm not so sure it was as disciplined as it needed to be, but what kind of like what I know there's names and like defensive minded and all that stuff, but like describe how what you would want at the next head coach, like what kind of coach do they need? Do they need to ter- need to turn this franchise around? So I got some criteria for you. Okay. He needs to have have head coaching experience, championship experience. Hang on. When you uh, say – sorry, I don't mean to cut you. So, when you say uh, coaching experience, is this a retread head, like a – Yeah. Red head Ryan? coaching, championship experience uh, from the south, uh, coached and being in the 70s. <laughs> from the Jimmy south. Johnson. Jimmy Johnson. I was like, from the south. I was like, oh. That's awesome. Todd, are you, Todd, are you impressed? Well He's with the criteria right there. Yeah. I am impressed with that. I, I love that because, um, hey, what is happening? that was your pick for a GM, correct? <laughs> uh, president. That was president. president. Oh, yeah. I thought you said GM. I have to go back and listen to that episode again. It was so it was it was yes. president. Oh, you told me. I could have sworn yeah. it was President's GM. A good choice. Yeah. Was it GM? I think it was GM. I think it, I think it, it was, was GM. GM. It was because, GM. Because I don't think that Todd would have uh, had that reaction if it was president. You're, you're totally right. Um, I'm, not try, I'm not trying to skate out of it. I could have swore it was GM, president, but you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. It was GM because that was that's on the line of like, is there a chance he, like, passes out on the plane? Like, he's, he's pretty old. Yeah, because that was the same because that was the same conversation. I think that you had said Tony Dungy would have been your president. Yeah, I believe. And we both came together on the president would be Tony right. Dungy. Um, but but for me, like like seriously, I think you should the last. Let's see when you go back to Mike Smith too, and then it was what Jim Moore before him, and I can't really remember Jim Moore Jr. if he was more of an offensive or a defensive guy. Chris or Todd would definitely have to help me with that. But I feel like he was you've got defensive. To go, yeah, defense. I think you. I think you've got to go offensive minded coach. Just, I mean, to keep it as simple as possible. Um, I don't really necessarily have a preference whether it's younger or older. Uh, I think having head coaching experience would be would be nice. But I'll be honest with you, in the NFL, I feel like when you're comparing NFL to college, I think in the NFL you can get away with being younger because um, I don't feel like you have to be as author- as like as much of an authoritative figure in the NFL as you do in college, if that makes sense. I don't know if that – just because I feel like you have to be able to rein those, some of those college players in a bit more, whereas those guys in the NFL are already, you know, more mature. I don't feel like that's as much of a uh, quality that is needed uh, in the NFL. So, to me, it could be a younger coach. It could even be somebody that doesn't, you know, doesn't necessarily have head coach experience either but well, I think would you say be... that the yeah would you say that the players somewhat discipline themselves meaning the you can't get away with too much crap the other guys are gonna like yeah stop self, that a lot of times right yeah. yeah i mean and by then they're just i mean they're they're older i mean they're they're more mature they've they've likely gone through it and they've, they've grown up a bit so i just I, feel like that's not as important in the nfl i think that it's more about um 
like X's and O's discipline of formation discipline than it is yeah. stay in stay in your room, wear your mask, wash your hands, no girls in the dorm. Like I don't think it's less of that stuff. Um uh go home, see your family, go go straight to sleep. I don't think it's less of that. It's more of it's the fourth quarter. Everybody's tired. You can't hold on this play. It's the fourth quarter. I know you're tired. Everybody's tired. We're, you know, we're, we're losing this lead. You can't jump off sides. Like that discipline is what I'm looking at. I'm like, I'm with Zach. I think it's a self-policing lead. These are grownups who get paid to play this game. These are grown men who realize this is an investment on my body. I need that kind of thing. But I think the, the X's and O's discipline of accountability of your job is to block this guy. And when you don't do that, we lose. So don't do that again. Like sitting in a room, like I'm going to look you in the eye and tell you in front of 53 other people that you did not do your job. And so like that directness, I'm not so sure in Dan Quinn's six years ever took place. I mean, so, but that discipline is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a little more accountability. I don't know. I'm with Zach too on, on it should be offensive minded. And the reason why is I don't want a deep I don't want a defensive minded coach who has to also be head coach. Mm-hmm. I want to hire a defensive coordinator that can just focus on that defense. Yep. And yes. let the offensive guy be the CEO. Yeah. I'm all for an offensive guy too. You know this but listen to the show before. Um yeah, you know, I have a name in mind. I don't necessarily you know, fall on that group where it has to be an experienced head coach. I don't think it has to be that. I just think it needs to be an outside the box guy. You know, Joe Brady's my pick yeah. to be head coach. He's and he's not a head coach now, but he is a guy who has quickly risen through the ranks and has done some incredible things with guys that I didn't classify as very talented. I mean, Joe Burrow, for instance. Okay, let's look at what he did at LSU last year. He was at LSU. Joe Burrow was maybe considered a fourth, maybe fifth round draft choice, but in that one year. Magic. Joe Burrow went from being a fourth to fifth round draft choice to setting records as an SEC quarterback to becoming the Heisman Trophy winner to winning the national championship to being the number one draft pick in the NFL draft. So that to me is enough in one year to justify this guy becoming a head coach. Now you see he's with Carolina. And yes, Carolina's kind of just hit yeah, a wall. Yeah. But He's done some incredible things with Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater is an average quarterback at best, and he was having his best season ever up to this point. So, to me, that's the kind of guy. Also, I'd like a guy who's able to handle constructive criticism that can not be so stubborn that they're willing to make the changes. And I'm not one that really falls to this um, repeat of all these NFL franchises – and getting a retreaded head coach. It's happened over and over and over again with less than outstanding results. And the other thing I'm going to say is that the NFL, much like college football, is an offensive league now too. So I think we need a guy that can really keep up with the best offenses in the NFL to lead us into the the next generation. I I totally agree. I think it's uh, offensive-minded. I think it's uh, discipline, holding the team accountable. and with kind of what Chris was describing, Jimmy Johnson, like having um, obviously success, but success for where he is kind of what Todd is describing, but not some like, I think I'm with Todd about being out of the box, like a Joe Brady, 
or any other the upstart coordinators. Obviously, Eric Bieniemy from Kansas City is a big one. So, um, yeah, okay. And then kind of just along with that is you've got two positions to fill, and which one do you fill first? Do you what's more important to have sooner, a general manager or a head coach? Do you get the vision from the head coach? I mean, it's like the chicken and the egg. Which one do you replace first? What do you think, Todd? I think the general manager is more important because the general manager is more likely to survive a coaching regime, you know, obviously than the coach surviving a general manager regime. You see it in the NFL over and over and over again where the GM comes in, they hire the head coach. Head coach is around two or three years. They have a losing season for three years. Where head coach is out. General manager is responsible for hiring that next head coach. And then usually if that next coaching regime doesn't work out, then the general manager is out. And so it starts with the general manager. He's got to be a guy who can be on the same page with the head coach, draft the players, but the head coach has got to coach them up. Yeah, and I I, I would agree with that. And I, think, and I know that this is going to be a, a question later in the show. Um, but as far as the um, – I think GM would be more important first just because then that becomes more – I think then the job itself as the Falcons head coach becomes more attractive if you have a have a GM there versus one that's, that's not there because then you may – you know, a, a prospective head coach can then see somewhat of the direction of the team with a GM in place versus without him, you know, there. So that's, that's what I would, would say would be my reason. Where do you think the vision for the team comes from? Do you think that comes from the general manager or does that come from the head coach? Well, I think that we're, we're right now for Atlanta, uh, well, I think it well, – right. But, I mean, well, I guess in general, gosh, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe the head coach. But I think in this situation, it's going to be the general manager because he's, you know, um, obviously going to be well involved with draft picks, things like that. And, you know, we're talking about an offensive-minded head coach. That's why I think that that's going to be super important to to keep up with the league, continue to keep up with the league there from on the offensive side of the ball. The defense can be more um, – the defense can then uh, have success by drafting good defensive players, and I think that that's more important than versus having a defensive-minded head, head coach. And so that's why I think that getting a good GM there in there that can see that vision as well um, – you know, beforehand is important. Chris, what says you? Question. Yeah, hit it. So, you know that they, they, you know that adage. It's the it's the uh, Jimmys and Joes, not the X's and O's. Yeah. If you don't have the players, you can't do it. I, I don't know where it comes from. I've always thought it's a kind of a tandem thing with the GM and coach. But I, I'm going to show my ignorance here because I don't know the answer to this. I've kind of always wondered it, but it doesn't come up that much. So you have owner. You have team president, you have GM, you have head coach, right? Right. Where does the team president fit into that? What is his role exactly? I don't exactly just, know what he does. He's above – I mean, he's right under the he, – he's right under the owner. So, I mean, he just is – I don't exactly know what his nuts and bolts daily role is. So I don't know. Todd, you got any clue? Team president is just a fancy title for I don't want you to be my general manager. That's pretty much it. I don't think it's – I mean, that's Rich McKay. I mean, he well, was our general manager. Cut, he's already cut Tat McKinley for you. So, he's already yeah. stepped in as general manager once. Yeah. Uh, yeah I don't is remember it, him having a lot of success, really. I mean, is it out when of he the, came to Atlanta, he didn't. 
Yeah. Is it out of the realm of possibility to say that the team vision comes from the owner? No, not at all. Because right. I think I mean he he's the one who cuts checks. So I think that he I would say so, I think, yeah. I think it depends on who the owner is though, because yeah. in the case of like Dallas, for instance, Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is a very meddlesome owner. So I think he does have team vision in that case. But Arthur Blank, I, I think for the most part he does leave it to the personnel that he hires to make these kind of decisions. But there are some meddlesome owners for sure. Hmm. If I were an owner, I couldn't help myself wanting to wanting to show my opinion on who we should pick. Yeah. It'd be hard. Well, I think there's only been I mean, I have this one explicit one that I could think of with the uh, Arthur Blank would be Julio Jones, the Julio Jones trade. You know, Arthur there's a report, whatever, Arthur walks in and says we need Julio Jones. I need you to make that happen. And you were in the, you know, Thomas Dimitrov's like, uh, okay, uh, we're going to trade 11 draft picks for Julio. <laughs> so cool. Now we know, but uh, yeah, division coming from the owner. I think that's a possibility, but I think, it, I, I think it comes from the, a good situation. It comes from both the general manager as a consensus general manager and head coach, because obviously general managers picking the groceries and the head coach is cooking. So they need to be on the same page of what's for dinner. So, um, yeah. Where do you, where, where do your uh, list of prospective GMs come from? Cause when we do coaches, we all can have opinions, but I don't know GMs that much or certainly like assistant GMs. And it's hard to know. It's, it's, People that are way smarter than me online have a list of them of, oh, I heard this guy wants a shot, but he's – because now more than ever, the I don't know about now more than ever. That might be dramatic, but I feel like now more than ever that um, TV analysts are jumping in on the general manager. Instead of having an assistant general manager wanting a shot, he's been in the organization so long – you look at the Raiders. Who's the guy that jumped from the TV to the Raiders? Um, about John Gruden. Gruden. That and the general manager, McShay. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, so no, no, no. from NFL Network. So, like, there's been – like, the theoretic um, – has his name has popped up. He is an NFL Network, like, analyst – and um, that would that he is a front runner for gener- a next general manager job, but like you said, there's I don't know the list. I only know what people report. I don't go out looking for general managers, but it's not as I think it's a lot of I think he's looking for a job. I know this guy, know this guy. I don't know where the list comes from. It's the answer is I don't know. So Stan, we came up with our own list though. Where did our list come from? Is what he's asking. Oh, our list. Oh. Uh, yeah. yeah, just research, like, just seeing uh, – because my, my pick was Theo Reddick. Was, he's an NFL.com analyst. And he's, I like that. Lewis, Lewis Reddick. Lewis Reddick. Who's Theo Reddick? Lewis. He's I a, don't know. Here's – Theo Reddick. Baseball Theo Reddick guy, right? Was, Theo Reddick was a running back for the – For the Raiders. Lions. Well, maybe the Raiders, oh. but I, I'm, I remember him playing for the Lions, like, Lions. a few years back. Always Theo a fantasy Riddick. bust, too. Just never really brought him the groceries. Yeah, yeah. 
anyway. especially in a PPR league, you know, the, he was advertised as a as right. one that was going to catch a lot of balls, and yeah, he just did not. never did. Exactly. Who else did y'all consider as GM possibility? Okay, so so for me, Lewis Reddick was my number one guy just because I knew that he had had experience working with uh, with personnel back at Philadelphia, and I listened to him on ESPN and on Monday Night Football. I mean, he just seems to be a sharp mind really knows what he's talking about. So, he was my number one choice. But then I looked toward the New England Patriots organization, too, which I kind of thought better of it because Thomas Dimitrov also came from there. But I just came to the conclusion we hired the wrong guy anyway. So, Nick Casero seemed like um, he had been there for a really long time. And I like to look at successful organizations. And nobody's drafted better over the last 20 years than New England. They, they've And they've always drafted Georgia guys, which I'm big on, too. Draft some people who are in the SEC because I'm tired of this – Let's draft this Division three player. Let's go get this guy from the Mountain West in the first round. Let's do three straight picks from the Mountain West and from the Sun Belt. And, you know, I'm just tired of that. I want some really athletic horses from the SEC playing football here. Although, when I went back and looked at the list, though, Thomas Dimitrov really had drafted more players from the SEC than I thought. But the problem was is that he had drafted – what did I say? Twenty, like twenty-five 20. players yeah, 20. from non-power five conferences oh, in his yeah. in his tenure as general manager. So I, I said the SEC players should always leave that, and and they still did. But I would be curious with him how many of the like how many of those players were like later round guys, right. like how many of those SEC because I mean anything like when I'm thinking of like rounds one, two, three. I'm with you, Todd. It, it seemed like it was just some Division two guy or some, mm-hmm. you know, and a big, you know, not even a Big Ten. Like, yeah, just like uh, Mountain West, you know, some some non-Power Five uh, players. Yeah, I think a lot of them were in later rounds. And I know in, in particular with Georgia, they were both later round picks. You know, Thomas Brown was, what, like a fifth or sixth mm-hmm. round pick. He never even really saw – life on the roster and then who was the other person was it it was a keen dent and i think he was a fourth rounder right he was a fourth rounder so nobody you know none of those guys were the top of the draft right yeah Yeah. okay so speaking of linebackers for the um well just defense in general uh just a headline foyer lucan wins nfc defensive player of the week this week (laughs) <laughs> um, got his first career sack, led the led the Falcons in 10 tackles, had a pass breakup, just played an incredible game against uh, the Broncos, um, really led the charge, and has played himself uh, into um, contention for the Pro Bowl in, in all seriousness. And that's saying something on this porous and if, uh, Falcons defense. But the defense in the last four games has played better. Um, not great, but has played better. And the question is, what happened? Because it's it's the most one of the most baffling questions. Not only like last year. Think of last year, the second half of the year, the, or the first half of the year, they couldn't. The Falcons could not stop a nosebleed. And the second half of the year, they played a lot better. Played they played. They were like top ten defense down the stretch. And there was no personnel changes. And there was a coach reshuffling of the deck, but no personnel changes. This year is even crazier, which you didn't think it was possible. But, like, in the time of uh, Raheem Morris being the head coach, literally nothing has changed except for Dan Quinn's seat because Jeff Ulbricht is still calling the plays. 
And the only thing they've done is cut Tack McKinley. So what happened? I, I think it's the opponents, the talent, and, or the – yeah, just the, the opponents are, are, are not as good these last few weeks, I think, is the main thing. And then, I'll, I mean, and then the obvious – Chris had alluded to it the other night talking about how, you know, when, whenever you have like a coaching change, there's that sort of that initial spark from players – so I think that has a little bit to do with it, but I think it's just more so the the level of opponents we've played the last few weeks. Right. We've we've we went through that list the other day and was um, pretty much the bottom feeders of the NFL: the Vikings, Broncos, Panthers. Panthers. And who? And we played the Panthers twice. And we played the saying. Panthers twice. Yeah, Panthers. And Detroit. Yeah. So there um, you go. I- you know, also, I think that they're probably a little more relaxed because the pressure the pressure's off. off when they There's fired no Quinn. There weren't a lot of expectations, and so they're probably playing a lot freer. Yeah. Having fun um, even more. Yeah, I, I would say that they were just excited about Dan Quinn getting out of town, and they were just ready for a regime change themselves. I think just the new coach inspires <laughs> them. They – they wanted Dan Quinn gone. I'm going to challenge you on that a little bit. Do you really – like, just in all seriousness, like, whenever he left the room and he was gone, gone, they were like, whew, glad he's gone. Like, do you really think they were like that? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I know I was, so I'm sure well, they were too. that's different. You're an armchair quarterback, man. That's that's, that's – di- I mean, you, these guys are playing with Dan – like, every day, like – that's a lot different. That's their coach, man. Do you really think, like, Grady Jarrett, like, when he closed the door for the final round, I was like, all right, whew, we got rid of Dan Quinn, baby. Who's next? Well, you know, you lose that much and you have Coach Bro. That 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 stick can get old quick. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, his, his, his rah-rah kind of attitude with pros doesn't always go over well, I don't think. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think, and maybe it was just the stuff that showed up in like, you know, the articles, new pa- newspaper. But I mean, I think that he was he was well respected by, by the players, even some of the, you know, some of the leaders in the locker room, you know, uh, Grady, Dion, uh, Julio. So I don't know if they were necessarily like, you know, that, that reaction that Todd was talking about. But, um, but I'm I'm with Chris too. I think at some okay. point it just kind of gets. I mean, it it's one of those things. It's like. It was like this past weekend with when Georgia was playing Florida. I don't mean to bring this up, but it was like Stetson Bruh. Bennett, like Stetson Bennett threw that interception. And everybody was like, "It's time! Like it's time to, okay, you got to make a change." You know, you might, and because everybody loves him, everybody on the team loves Stetson Bennett, and nobody faults. But him. but you right like right. You, it's not you're not blaming him. like you're. But sometimes you just you just need some you know just something new. Um, so, Unlike Stetson, though, everybody does fault Dan Quinn. That's right. I was going to make he, that. I was going to go ahead and yeah. just clear that up, make that distinction. <laughs> it is definitely yeah. Dan Quinn's fault. Yeah, right. Yeah, he he wouldn't take responsibility for bad decisions. He'd say, "I'd do it again." Come on, Double, dude. Doubling down. That's just yeah. Part, that's part of being stubborn. That's a head coach yeah. trait. I mean, mm-hmm. I you know that's you get. I mean, what's his name? The guy that blew two Super Bowls. He's got two on his resume. Kyle Shanahan, he's notorious for being arrogant. Uh, 
and stubborn. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just the head coach trait. You get, that's just that's true, I guess. You get the bull with the horns. So, but Sam, um, the only person that's going to remember that though at the end of the day, or like the only group of people are going to be Falcons fans. Like everybody else who watches Super Bowl, not going to remember Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. They're just going to remember he was the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. They're never going to remember that. Uh, um, I, I will tell you this though. Okay, so. Let's go back to that um, really horrible moment against why the uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Where oh, okay, the yeah. Like, hey, I mean, don't okay. you think our players are <laughs> laughing at Dan Quinn after that decision? Oh. I mean, they're like, this guy's an imbecile. I can't wait till he's gone. I'm just not going to say it publicly. I mean, come on. Well, how did they not know the rule? I mean, even if your That's coach doesn't warn you. Yeah. So you're saying you wouldn't put that on Dan Quinn. You're going to put that all on the Yeah, players. no, no. I'd put, I'd put it on Dan Quinn. But the fail-safe from having a moron coach is that at least the players should know what to do on their own. <laughs> <laughs> how did, I mean, how did both fail? I mean, how did both fail? I don't – I can't. They've been playing – these guys are professional football players that are 30 years old. They've been playing football since they were like seven. I'll like tell you what – I'll tell you Quarter what of a century of experience. It's like, <laughs> just get on the ball. It's the curse. It's, it's the oh, Georgia. Yeah. It's the it's, curse. There's no other. I mean, seriously, for that, for Atlanta to blow what three or four leads like they did this year, there's only one answer. It's the curse. It's the curse. It's real. I've, 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 I've fought against it. My most of my adult life of it's not real. But these, uh, <laughs> these last four years, uh, is. Is made a believer out of me. It's been tough sledding for an all-around Georgia boy. So uh, it's been a, it's been a been a rough one, and we don't have to chronicle all of them. So everybody cool it. But uh, yeah, you know the ones that just yeah. Excuse me for a minute, but I want to chronicle for a second. So. Oh, <laughs> so okay, I, I don't I don't believe in curses, but I, I do think that sometimes it's just you see other teams in the same area do it and it almost just becomes just a mental thing. Like, okay, we saw the Braves blow a six to nothing lead in the world series. We have nothing like we're the Braves in 2020. We have nothing to do with this, but what if we do it again? And so you always have that in the back of your mind. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, so the Braves haven't won a playoffs. They didn't win a playoff series for almost 20 years, but mm -hmm. yeah, it was in the back of their mind. So, I think that has more to do with it than anything. You know, Georgia was kind of thinking that when they lost to Alabama. You know, what if we blow this lead? Alabama comes back against everybody, and then sure enough, they did. And then the next year, we did the same thing again in the SEC championship game. Mm -hmm. And the Falcons have done the same thing in several games since the Super Bowl. So, I think it's just – I think it's a mental block more than mm -hmm. anything else. Yeah, I, I agree for sure. Yeah. They call it in baseball, they call it the Ips. No. Mm -hmm. Brooks Conrad, poor fellow. Oh, my, yeah, mm. Ruined his career. I mean, never was ever right. Couldn't even throw the ball from third to first. Uh, yeah. So, uh, anyway, so moving on to our next question here. Um, it's kind of the last question of the day. It's And in in, uh, Zach kind of talked about it a little bit, too, that how attractive is this Falcons head coaching and general manager vacancy. How attractive is the Stockholm's team? Because I've got a list of potential teams that will have uh, vacancies, and I made it a big list so we have a lot of, to talk about 
and I projected a lot because obviously the only two vacancies right now are the Texans and the Falcons. But moving forward, there will be more, clearly. I would say uh, what I have on the list is Falcons, Texans, Jets, Jacksonville, Lions, Chargers, and Vikings. Those are all failing franchises that are getting tired of their man in charge. And the writing is really close, either on the wall or, you know, right there. So. Okay. I'll go first on this. And you're not going to like my answer. I think the Falcons job is just right above the Jets job on this list. And I think the rest of the jobs are more attractive. Jacksonville's got a nice young base. I think the um, Texans job is the, the best job on this list because you've got a young quarterback, you have Deshaun Watson and a bunch of other good players. They just weren't very good defensively this year, but I think that could change immediately. I think the Falcons, you have an aging team. You have a a team that really just needs a whole gut rebuild on defense. And they have other pieces on the offensive line at running back that are really big uncertainties. And and Matt Ryan's an aging quarterback and, and you have an older wide receiver out there too. Julio Jones is starting to age too. So, I mean, I just don't see the Falcons' job being at the top of that list. If I were a head coach, I would go somewhere else. All right, so just so that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So that's seven teams, and you would put them, you know. The, it's a hot take. It's a hot take, but, yes, I would put them right above the Jets. The Jets right. are the worst job. Right. Nobody needs to take that job. If, if you're wanting the Jets' job, mm-hmm. You just need to retire from football because you're not going to have any success there. <laughs> I take that just up in a heartbeat. There you go. You'd be fired within page, a year. For that you, paycheck. You, you would, hey, they can pay me. I would just take a cool two million there to do go. that job for a year. <laughs> I would, and I would wash everybody's shoes too. So yeah, I would do. I would take two million and run. I, but I no. wouldn't. I wouldn't live in New York. I would live somewhere else. But yeah, I don't miss. Where would you live? Uh, not New York. Uh, <laughs> I would commute. I don't know where they <laughs> go find somewhere out in the country to live. Syracuse. Traffic's pretty bad out there. Man, Syracuse is a long ways away from New York. <laughs> New Jersey. I mean, that's on the other they side. New Jersey, yeah. Well, well the, yeah, the Jets play in New Jersey, but, man, Syracuse is in Maybe uh, upstate. upstate New York. Upstate. That's yeah. a long ways yeah. away. That's like a six-hour drive. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, he, just, he was just adamant he didn't want to live in New York, so I was trying to give him – Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I bring Here's what you can do, Stan, though. You can always take a flight to the stadium, and you can parachute in on game day. There you go. So, absolutely. as far as attractive jobs go, you, you, Jacksonville is not more attractive to Atlanta because they're just not seen as a winning program and the excitement level and fan support and all that. Uh, of course, the Jets are below, but here's the thing about the Jets. New England's falling off that. Off of the off of the top, right? So, do you believe Buffalo or, or right. Miami are going to seize it? I think it'll be a little more open if you get the right if you get some pieces. Although I wouldn't, I'd put the Jets at the bottom. It's not as bad as it used to be. Uh, Minnesota, it's freezing cold. Detroit, Matthew Stafford's kind of an aging quarterback too, and they're not seen as a team that's had success, never won a Super Bowl. I feel like Atlanta because of where it is and because the offense is so stinking dynamic and it's an offensive league would be right below Houston probably because Deshaun is young and he's got a lot of potential. Uh, but I feel like Atlanta is somewhat attractive. Plus we've, we've been 
you know, it's not like Atlanta used to be. They don't think of us as a losing franchise anymore because of the Super Bowl run and, and because of our offensive skill positions, I think. But I'm an optimist always. Well, <laughs> yes, uh, always um, wanting those Falcons wins for sure. Um, <laughs> what about you, Todd? What, where do you see Falcons on these list of uh, seven, seven teams? You want the list again? Todd or Zach? Oh, Zach. I'm so sorry, Zach. I'm sorry. Yeah, I already no, went. Yeah, I sorry. Don't, I don't really – I don't think I really know where specifically I think the Falcons would fit on the list because I think it could be – it could sort of be fluid. Again, going back to my point about the GM, obviously, yes, Chris alluded to the offense. That makes the Atlanta job – attractive um, just because of our offense. But, again, I feel like if you bring a GM in there uh, who has had experience and kind of especially one that drafts well, kind of like Todd was talking about with, with the guy up in, in New England, if you, and if you know that you have a GM there that's going to meet those needs, which we all know what the need is, defense, I think that's why getting the GM there could, could, could then elevate that uh, – the, the Atlanta job as far as like a uh, attractiveness, I guess is the word. Um, so that that's, again, just going back to my point there, uh, just somebody that you know is going to address the issues that are at hand. The offense isn't one um, can, can definitely help make that Atlanta job more attractive. I don't know where I'd put it on the list, but I mean, who's more just right, middle of the me pack. or Todd? No, middle of the pack is what you're saying. Yeah, I'd say I would just say probably middle of the pack, but it could be. But again, it's fluid. If you get a GM in there that yeah. that's you know that doesn't have that experience and, and doesn't draft or hasn't drafted well in the past, then then no. I mean, it could be yeah, like Todd said, right down there where the Jets are. Um, Am I right in saying Arthur Blank is pretty well liked around the league? I think so. Yeah, I think so. That could be that could be helpful too. That he's an owner that's well liked, unlike some that are metal too much well that or have are just poorly run just yeah don't, don't like stupid decisions and, and just yeah. a just a, a poorly run organization i mean the jets have been a dumpster fire for the better part of two decades so um i don't remember the last time there i mean may may have been the minister of defense last time they were relevant although rex ryan had a couple runs with them but like i said it's just not a good a well-run organization so yeah, um, Rex Ryan has some good runs with them. Bill Parcells was probably really the last guy that had the Jets where they were needing to be, and they were in a very similar position. Like in '96, the Falcons went. That was '90. Yeah. yeah, it was '96. They went three and thirteen. The Jets went three and thirteen that year too, and then suddenly two years later, both teams are in their respective conference championship games with chances to go to the Super Bowl. The Jets lost to the Broncos. The Falcons beat the Minnesota Vikings, and that was a difference. They had Vinny, right? Vinny Testaverde? Yeah, they had Vinny Testaverde as their starting quarterback. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Um, for for me, I would probably – so, I totally agree with the Texans probably being number one on this list. Although, just the offense of – like, so, without DeAndre Hopkins um, – I think that takes a hit, but like, if you look at the package deal of what the Falcons possess, without like with Todd, just even like Todd Brooks running the offense, they are they could be a top ten, the top ten, top five offensive unit, 
and I don't know what the numbers are for the Texans, but um, Deshaun Watson needs somebody to throw to, and Matt Ryan has a stable of people to throw to. So I think that would be – if you're looking at it in specifically that, obviously the defense is pretty terrible. But um, I would I would say – I'd put him at the top of the list because you go down the – list of like obviously it's the situations that the people that the teams are in falcons are the texans number one falcons number two and then probably the chargers have if they're going to get cut they've got a young quarterback too that, that has potential herbert or hubert herbert 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 and so and then you go down i guess the Lions have an aging quarterback. Jacksonville's kind of, you know, kind of just in the state of flux perpetually. Vikings and the Jets. So, but like, I think the Falcons have talent offensively, and I think that's attractive. I think the city is attractive. I think the owner is attractive. Um, not in a uh, weird way. We won't <laughs> chop that up. I said that live on the radio, but um, facility's yeah. great. <laughs> Okay, so he's great. Let, let uh, me but, ask you this, though. Let me ask you this. Okay, so for all you guys, everybody seems to be assuming we're going to have the same offense next year, though. I'm kind of looking at it from just a, a building point of view. What if, okay, let's just say a GM comes in here first without even hiring a head coach, and they just gut the franchise right away. Matt Ryan sent packing to the Dallas Cowboys. Julio Jones ends up going to Detroit or something. Then you're left without those two guys. So how – less attractive of a job is the Falcons without those two guys on the team. Very uh, – A lot less. A lot less, but, I mean, it's a lot so, – Todd was saying it's fluid, but on the yeah, other right, side of that, right. you're getting something for it. I mean, now you have a full draft, and but the cupboard is bare because of your two stars on offense, and that becomes much less attractive. It absolutely does because it, it absolutely does because if you get rid of that, then you're needing to address mo- even more issues. You have to then address the offensive side of the ball, so that absolutely plays plays a role. I mean, this and this is the challenge that the Falcons have going forward is especially the way that the, that football in general, college football, NFL football is going, that is becoming much more offensive uh, geared that you don't hear now about these dominant defensive players as much anymore. And so it's going to be hard for Atlanta to restock and rebuild and build depth on that defense that they so desperately need. And that's why, again, I think that you have to value somebody, you know, a GM that knows what the heck they're doing to – because I I think right now, and we can maybe save this conversation for another one, but as the way things are, I don't think that the – Falcons are going to be getting rid of Matt Ryan because I think they've, they've won too many games at this point. It's like Todd mentioned, I think, Tuesday, that at this point, yeah. you're going you're gonna to miss out on Justin Fields. You're going to miss out on Trevor Lawrence. Ray Lance. So, you know. Um, so That's a risky stand. Mountain, Mountain West, baby. Oh, yeah, no. There you go, Mountain West or player. But um, Who would you say? Is the guy from North Dakota? Yeah, yes. Trey Lance. Yeah, yeah I, I just that that that's that's a reach. I mean, especially when you have a proven guy like like Matt Ryan, even if he's making the the kind of money that he is. I just think the Falcons' job can be attractive, but it's but it's you know 
It's definitely not. It's definitely for me not at the top, near even near the top. And Trey Lance is a is a guy too. Like I, I just would not feel comfortable doing that, being the fact that North Dakota only played one single college football game this year. Then you had the Carson Wentz factor. I mean, like it or not, that's going to play into it a little bit because Carson Wentz he started off with a bang, was really good, but he has been injury ridden the entire time he's been in the NFL. We'll and just go Aldo, fifth round or something. Play. Fifth round, yeah. Yeah, or six. And yeah. back up Ryan for two years yeah. if you're going to do that. He, he's going to yeah. go in the first round. You think so? Trey yeah, Lance. I think so, yeah. too. You he's, think he'll go in the first? Yeah. There's so many There's so many teams looking for a quarterback. Then Yeah. There's, everybody's trying to strike gold, man. That's where that's where it's at. And uh, Matt yeah. Jones. Matt, yeah. Who? Matt Jones. Matt, Matt, Matt who? <laughs> who? <laughs> Matt Jones. <laughs> Two eight one. Is Mac is Mac Jones eligible this year though? I don't even I don't, know that off the so. top of my head. I don't think so. I think he's, he's just, a sophomore. He's a sophomore, yeah. No, 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 no. No, no, no. No, no. He's been there the whole time. I think yeah. he's a senior. Yeah, he he yeah, he, he's a he's 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 eligible. Even if even if the whole deal works out that they what don't like if they look not lose eligibility, but what were they talking Get about? An extra year. year. Extra year, he's still eligible. Um, I think he's at least like maybe he's a redshirt junior. Uh, or yeah. He's at least this is his, I think his fourth year. Yeah. yeah. He um he he did he he's played three years so he's eligible. He yeah. played in 2018 just a little bit. He passed for 123 yards. So yeah, mm-hmm. he's eligible. Oh, well, Mac Jones, you stick him on the bench. Wait for Trask. Trask. <laughs> Look, Mr. Florida Gator. I don't think so. I don't want him. <laughs> Ah man, listen. If he can throw that pigskin, he can throw that pigskin. He can play for the Falcons, baby. Yeah. There aren't that many guys at the college level that are going to translate. Like you know, it's fun to talk about, but I, I really just see this being a Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence success story. I, I don't picture those other guys as being big NFL quarterbacks. Well, uh, there's always somebody. The draft. There is. Oh, there. Yeah. The draft is. is always gets you in love with these names. And they say, oh, Trey Lance is my guy. And then he goes – he just gets hyped up. And the hype train leaves the station. And he – someone t- – they talk him into taking Baker Bayfield, number one overall. And you're stuck with a quarterback that is mediocre. I mean ja- – Jacksonville Jay- will take him probably. Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Carson Wentz, Mitchell Trubisky, all top three, four picks have just been – Meh. So hey, we can go back further than that. Matt Liner. Matt Liner. Oh god. No. Oh, uh, what's the the big guy from LSU? What about Jason White? Does anybody remember him from? Uh, yeah, he went to Heisman, didn't he? Yeah, Oklahoma. So like, whatever Oklahoma. happened to him? Yeah, what? Where did he go off? Uh, you know. I don't even know. I think he went. I think he went to Minnesota, if, if I believe. Um, that sounds yes. That, that, yes. He went to Minnesota, and I correct. think he was injured almost the entire time, and and never really could could just stay healthy. I think that was his biggest issue. Jamarcus yeah. Russell. Uh, oh, that was probably one of the worst draft picks of all time. You're talking about a guy who was just an overall bomb. I would probably rank Jamarcus Russell as the biggest NFL bust ever. Ever there's uh, yeah, Couch, he had too much purple drink. He had guy. too much perp drink. Dude, the funniest story about him. There's like one of my favorite stories of all time about him. Have y'all heard like the DVD story about him? No. They, they 
um, the coaches were like, I don't think he watches film, but he swears up and down he watches film. And so they were like, all right, cool. So well, we're going we're gonna to send you home some film this weekend. We're going to install some new packages. Come back Monday, ready to rock and roll. And he's like, okay, cool. Here are the DVDs. So he goes home, does what he does. Monday, they're like, hey, uh, what you think of the place? It's like, oh, man, great place. Let's run a couple. Get onto the line and let's, let's run a couple. The coaches all got together and they gave him blank DVDs. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, that's bad. But they didn't do their homework. He could, he could, Todd's right. It's the worst. He could thing sling ever. it there. He could sling it there. He could, what? I mean, he could throw like 80 yards. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't know which 80 yards it was going. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Be able and, to throw to the jerseys on your own team. I mean, you know. I mean, Tim Couch is another guy that comes to mind. He's supposed to be this great savior for the Cleveland Browns franchise. And and he played for a couple of years, but he never really could could do anything. But, but not nearly as big of a bust. Kentucky? As, did he go to Kentucky? No, no, no. Yeah. Jorgens Russell is definitely the biggest bust ever. You know, uh, you, know you, you know who uh, – Tim Couch's offensive coordinator was under Hal Mummy at Kentucky. Mike Leach. Mike Leach. Mike Leach. Yeah. And all there his passes go. were five yards. That's all they were. It was Dinky short dunk. little passes. Yeah. Big dunk. Yeah. So he wasn't an NFL guy. Uh, he threw down the field more than you think he did, though. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, he, he was a, a good quarterback. I just he never had really some felt success like in the NFL though. He, that his first year, he they won some games. I think. Yeah, but not because of him. And, and they were terrible their first year. I think they only won three or four games. I had to go back and look because I think uh, 99 was the first season of the Cleveland Browns resurrected. Oh, I had to go back and look. But no, I'll, I'll tell you in just a minute. The, the Cleveland Browns list of quarterbacks is That's hilarious. Tremendous. It's comical. It's comical. And here's the deal. The people who poop on Matt Ryan – daily on Twitter of he's a terrible quarterback. He can't throw down the field. By the way, he's top four in 20 yard passes this year. Um, he's top five in like uh, pressure escapes on PPF. I was digging through PPF or what is it? PFF? No, I was digging yes, through pro perfect. football focus. focus. PFF. I was digging I look, through. Look, I got a question for all y'all. They're so not. here's the thing about Matt Ryan. When he when he throws the long ball, even long outs, the eyeball test of his throws, they every one of them looks to me like they've gotten away from him. And he's he's oh, wow. overextending it floats on him, but they're not floating. He hits the guys where he needs to. And it's the, the optics of his passes are weird to me. Okay. Uh, I I know exactly what Chris is talking about. They always it always looks like he's trying to hit the roof with him whenever he throws the uh, yeah. The think, long ball. Yeah, so the long ball looks like just pure eye test. Not success yeah. rate, but pure eye test. It looks like he puts too much air under it. Mm -hmm. And there's been multiple occasions. He won't show up on the stat sheet. But there's been multiple occasions that the, the Julio Jones, which is half cheetah, has to stop and slow his slow – his, speed to catch the ball like to come back to the ball because he can't air it out enough for julio so he does he doesn't get enough like distance on it he just i mean it's a it's a rainbow and so um yeah even if even his outs are like that sometimes though they just seem to come off mm -hmm. his hand 
with an arc. But, well, they, but, you know, they but yeah, they do a, a lot of they do a lot of those they do a lot of those deep outs, and they're and it's those ones that they throw across the field. They're not like the to to the near side, and so yeah, I mean he's 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 throwing like a it might be a. 15 yard out but he's having to throw it 40 yards you know, yeah yeah type of thing so i know what you're across the saying. hat yeah yeah <laughs> by the way the cleveland browns record for uh tim couch's rookie season was 214 and he what? ran for his life all year uh-huh. Look, the guy had 40 attempts for 267 rushing yards that year I mean, I, <laughs> it's like those are great rushing numbers for a quarterback man wow getting, getting deep on the uh the, the, uh, the Cleveland Browns right there. Okay, so uh, we're going to wrap this thing up. I have no clue how long. I did not start the timer, obviously, guys. Um, well, I, uh, I want to I wanna say something. You never asked if we wanted to go to a game this year. You never said that. Oh, yeah, I skipped that question, didn't I? Hey, do you want to go to a game this year? No. Okay. Um, for the prices that I'm seeing on StubHub, the minimum price is $99 for a Falcons game, and I'm sure that will come down on game day, but I'm not willing to go watch this team play for $99 a ticket. Chris, do they have a, do they have a non-one o'clock game on Sunday? Because I can't do those because oh, of church. Yeah. Um, unless uh, they're playing on the West. Not unless they're playing on the West Coast. Not wait, in Atlanta. I didn't, I, he's, they're dumb. They have one Monday night football game. And they had one Thursday. They've Thursday already played night. their Thursday night, I think. And they're not yeah, getting so. up to play on Sunday night. I think, no, so they have a <laughs> – no. I think – I think, no, I think the Saints are a third Monday, Sunday night football. No? Mm, it's 1 o'clock. They have three I, I games think. left, and all three are at 1. Yeah, so I'm out. Well, there you go. So, the answer is no. And, uh, yeah, like I think, I think I'm with Todd – if I was, if we had a group together with, with the boys, and we were all um, uh, have been tested, that we could all uh, quarantine, like pod quarantine, and go to the game and have a good time. But it's about the company you keep, because I'm a blabbermouth. I'm gonna be, I'm be flapping my gums. Oh, the nearest it'd be fun. Socially distanced person. So. Oh yeah, it would definitely be fun. Yeah. It's just not not know, this year. Not in 2020. Yeah. No. Okay. Just, I mean, I don't know. I mean, just walking into the stadium, too, and being around only 15,000 people, I think I'd be more depressed than anything else. I don't even think I'd be entertained by the I don't game. know. That would be – me and Karen were talking about that. That I think that would be my scene. I think it would be, like, a relaxed – I've never been to the stadium, so I think it would be, like, a relaxed, like, introduction to, like, this is Mercedes – Mercedes Benz. Can you get up, walk around, do whatever you want to do? Oh, I'm still mad. Man, the stadium's awesome. The it's an awesome stadium. It's yeah. uh, I've been yeah. there for SEC championship games and Falcons games. I mean, it's really. I've been there for a Garth Brooks concert. It's really a nice stadium. If it was the Georgia Dome, Todd would have been in, for oh, sure. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I know I have the Georgia <laughs> Dome in my background right here, but uh, I like Mercedes Benz a lot. So I just want to go a little retro. Remember the good like old it. days. I like it. I like it. There you go. Yeah, the good yeah, old days. There had there hasn't been any good days. <laughs> And Mercedes Benz for uh, yeah, any, jo- any any not for. Are you about to bring up the Atlanta United? Atlanta United. Atlanta, Atlanta, no, United, just stop. United just stop. Conquer. Stop. I'm not. I, I. We can just end the show now if we're going to go down that road. Olay, I'm talking about. I, I'm talking about. I'm talking about Georgia games, Falcons games. You know, I think Jake Fromm's brother in, in a high school championship game had something bad happen to him, and in, in Mercedes Benz. So it's just like no. 
Well, Georgia did win an SEC championship game over Auburn in that stadium. Though. Okay. So that, well, that was good enough. But I we can... know. But but what? How many weeks later? When we were back, they were playing a month later. That's the only good thing that's happened because the Falcons' record in Mercedes Benz is what one and two. Yeah, Falcons mm-hmm. one and two. Uh, I took Jordan to to Monday Night Football against the Giants and Saquon Barkley, and the Falcons won for us. So hey, there you go. I have a good memory there. We had that backup go. kicker. And I, and I can't remember his name. And he he kicked like a fifty-five yard. He kicked three field goals that were Brand? like fifty yards or more. It was crazy. He was Italian. It was crazy. Oh, yeah. Sorry, the G. Yeah. Uh, Georgia's weird, one in three. Fun. Georgia's one in three. Actually, I forgot the two losses to Bama and the loss to LSU. One in three. Yeah. How do you keep bringing up losses, bro? Like, uh, man, those hang with me more than wins do. I'm <laughs> telling you, me too. Especially when. I mean, yeah, that was an awesome game against Auburn, but like, it's all about it's all about the end. It's all about the loss hurts more than a win feels good. Yes, oh my gosh, and well, in that case, for sure, it did. So I was at Chris Bailey's in his basement watching that throw to Calvin Ridley on my birthday. Oh, it just does not get worse, y'all. It just gets worse, y'all. Listen, I'm gonna go. Oh man, I don't know. This ended on a negative note. Yeah. Okay. Let's end this on a positive note. All right. I'm gonna leave you with leave 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 it on a positive note. Um, AJ Terrell is the highest ranked um cornerback (laughs) on the uh, the Falcons (laughs) the Falcons team right now, according to player uh (laughs) Pro Football Focus. Um, Yes. I just want to let you. I just want to let you know. I just brought some stats to the air. Um. <laughs> you brought you brought proof, um, but I still don't care. I still don't like him. Sorry. It, so, is there any <laughs> other uh, anything else you want to leave leave the people with? Uh, some positivity, what to look forward to, what to what's around the corner, anything? Come on, guys. Uh, yeah, I, fans. I'm sorry that Stan gets stuck on just one player and trying to prove a point. I apologize for him. <clears throat> Thanks, Todd. <clears throat> Standing right uh, here. Yeah. What about you? Anybody? Uh, anybody else? We'll send this thing. Thank y'all for joining me tonight. Uh, it was fun. We, I really enjoy having y'all around and uh, jumping on here and talking some dirty birds, man. I appreciate y'all coming on. I love it. Yeah. It's fun. Th- thanks for having us, Stan. Yeah. Rise up. Uh, for sure. Rise up. All right, fellas. It's fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Falcons fans, if you like what you heard tonight, go ahead and follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're getting your podcasts nowadays. And until next time, Falcons fans, rise up.